5: Number two of The Look At right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. It's Greg Peterson holding it down for Scott Seidenberg, who you were able to hear on The Look At tonight. And if you're looking for any of the shows here on VEASAN, whether it be The Look At, whether it be The Nightcap, Follow the Money, list goes on and on, you're able to find that in the VEASAN Best Pets podcast. So have no fear there. We've got you covered with every hour of live program that, programming that we wind up doing. And we've got you covered when it comes to the great game of football. Last few segments, I was joined by Pam Maldonado. Big thanks to her doing great work over there at Yahoo Sports. Now we've got to dive into a little NFL. Later on in the hour, we're going to be talking all forms of basketball, so you hoops heads have no fear—we've got you all covered there. But with that said, we did wind up seeing the Dallas Cowboys be able to get the win on Thursday football against the New Orleans Saints by a count of 27 to 17. They were also able to get the cover in that game as that wound up closing at a lot of spots right around a six and a half point line. If you want to take the over on 45 and a half. Wasn't quite able to get there as it winds going under in this one. And we've been seeing just quite a few unders in general when it comes to the NFL. Really, in most sports, we've been seeing a little bit of an under trend. We've been seeing a couple more overs in the NBA and college basketball recently. But when it comes to the NFL, I mean, as of right now, when you take a look at this game or when you take a look at this season in general, we've been noticing that it's been just an underfest when it comes to the NFL at 56.7% of games going under one or two unders and 78 over. So, it certainly hasn't been the world's greatest time if you've been betting unders and if you've been betting futures in the NFL. Thus far, we've had a couple of surprises. I wouldn't say that we've necessarily had just something quantum, like Washington football team coming out to defeat. It would have been something quantum. We have yet to see that, but... Certainly, we do have a little bit of value when it comes to some of these futures. And when you take a look at things, what I think is going to be so fascinating is some of these divisions in which it looks like they're all signed, sealed, and delivered. But you might be able to see a team be able to creep back into it. And the one that I really want to highlight right now, that would be the AFC South. Because I felt like if the Dallas Cowboys had wound up losing on Thursday Night Football, then you could make the case in the NFC East. I think that that one's a little bit hard for Washington football team, the Philadelphia Eagles to climb yourself out of. And, well, if you're betting on the Giants to be able to win the NFC East, I really don't know what to tell you. But when it comes to the Titans, they're right now minus 2,500 to be able to win the division. From there, you've got the Colts at 10-1 to and then the Jaguars and the Texans. Well, boy. I mean, if they wind up winning the division, I I, I don't know what's happened. I think that you're going to be seeing some pigs flying across like your outdoor, whatever sort of living space that you wind up having because if either of those teams wind up winning the division, then we've got something wrong. But I do think that there's a little bit of value here with the Indianapolis Colts because you just take a look at the Titans team. For one, maybe deal with a whole bunch of injuries when it comes to their skilled players. Obviously, you've got King Henry who's going to be out for the season for this team. Julio Jones has been banged up. So, I mean, the list goes on and on of injuries that the Titans are having to... Deal with them for two. When it comes to the Indianapolis Colts, they should be able to get a win this week. Now, I say should. There is no locks in betting. I can tell you that from experience. I'm sure that many of you guys have always asked, or maybe have asked, what is the lock of the week? Well, there really isn't one. But I mean them, the... Colts being able to take down the Texans, I think that that should wind up happening. From there, you've got a New England Patriots team that has been playing very good football. I don't know if I'm necessarily sold on them at this point. You've got an Arizona Cardinals team that they've been dealing with a couple injuries as well. They might be catching them at the wrong time. Then again, they might not be. They've got a bye week in between there. Then you've got the Raiders and the Jaguars to be able to wrap up the season. Obviously, not necessarily the world's easiest feat, but it's certainly not. The world's most difficult one either. And then you take a look at the Tennessee Titans. A team that, let's call it what it is, they've been flailing the last two weeks. You figure that they should be able to take down the Houston Texans, who the Colts are going to be facing off with this week. They were unable to do that. They wound up going on the road and they lose to the Patriots, which that's understandable to take the loss. But the fact that they wound up losing 36-13 has some concerns with me. With them as well. Now, when it comes to the Chains, they're going to be playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is a game that they should be able to win after this bye week, so they should be able to get online with regards to that win, the bye week. If you wind up having two weeks to be able to prepare for the Jaguars and you don't get a win, then things have went horribly wrong, but from there, you wind up having the Steelers, the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Texans. Now, the Texans game should be very winnable for them, but the Dolphins have actually been playing some respectable football recently. Tua Tagovailoa has got a 70% completion rate. He's been able to come along for this team. I just think that it's a case in which two is actually halfway decent. The weapons around him they need a little bit of work, but the Dolphins have been able to put a little bit of something together. We've seen it with the 49ers as well. It certainly hasn't necessarily been the 6 see a this year but season weren't end right now they'd be in the postseason and the sealers it just feels like they're sort of like that they're sort of like that villain from a good old slasher movie that you wind up seeing in Halloween they just every single time you think that they're dead you think that they're buried everything seems to be going wrong for them they come back and as you are sprinting away from said villain they are gaining ground on you as they are walking I mean, that is the Pittsburgh Steelers in a nutshell. It is not a team. It is just a machine. It is just absolutely insane what we wind up seeing out of them. So I wouldn't want much of to do with that schedule as well. I just have my question marks in general when it comes to the Tennessee Titans team. So that's one that I would certainly be looking at when it comes to more of the, shall we say, lopsided odds to be able to win the division when it comes to the NFC West as well. If you're looking to take a little bit of a flyer, the Rams are now at plus 650. And I don't think that that's a worse bet. I would need to see a good week out of the Rams to be able to fire in on this just because I feel like there's question marks with regards to the Rams. I feel like they have just a top three team in the NFL when it comes to the talent and the talent alone. And you've got a good coach in McVay as well. The question is, are they going to be able to put these pieces together? Because they wind up acquiring Von Miller at the trade deadline. They wind up being able to bring in Odell Beckham Jr. But it's just one of these things in which it's the first year for Matt Stafford as well. And shall we say, we wound up seeing a quarterback in his first year last year be able to really figure it out towards back half of the season now. Certainly Matthew Stafford is not quite the same as Tom Brady. That goes without saying. But... I do feel like he could wind up being able to peak towards the end of the year. So I think that that's something very fascinating to look at. And when it comes to the Rams' schedule as well, you take a look at it, they get a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which then should be able to get them online. And then you wind up playing the Cardinals, which I think is going to be the biggest game on there because then from there you wind up having a Seahawks team that, let's call it what it is, it has been a tough situation for them to say the least. Then you get the Vikings, the Ravens, and the 49ers. If there is one thing that I have trepidation with with regards to the Rams, it's that they're going to be able to pretty much, I think that they could afford themselves one loss and be able to win the division. That loss not being against the Cardinals, they would have to pretty much win that game or else the Cardinals, I believe, would have the tiebreaker in that scenario, but that is my big trepidation with them. If they had a little bit more of a favorable schedule, then I could warrant the plus 650 a little bit more until I wind up seeing how they're going to be looking with Odell Beckham Jr., those guys meshing. I would need to say away a little bit more, but when it comes to the... Division with a little bit of closer odds because you've really got three of them out there in the AFC You've got the AFC West the AFC East and the AFC North the one that I feel the most secure about right now is the Kansas City Chiefs I mean it goes without saying the Kansas City Chiefs have looked absolutely magnificent in recent weeks, and I just noticed this with Andy Reid coach teams as well the defense always seems to play better as the season goes along. I mean, it's not that long ago that we were talking about the Chiefs being a historically bad defense, and now all of a sudden they've been able to bottle up these teams. I believe that they've given up 21 points or fewer now four out of the last five weeks. So they have really been able to come along for the ride. And as the Chiefs offense tries to, I don't know if reinvent themselves is necessarily the right word, but they try to be able to pivot a little bit and be able to try to utilize more smaller chunk plays because it does feel like the book has gotten out on the homesick company. They're able to win these games despite the fact that the offense has been firing on all cylinders. And I think that we're all in agreement here. At some point, the Chiefs offense is going to be able to find itself once again. Patrick Mahomes has been able to cut down on the turnovers recently. That has been very beneficial. And now they've got Clyde edwards Hilaire back as well. With Clyde edwards Hilaire, he wound up missing five games this year. Getting him back out there, that is nothing short of monumental for this Kansas City Chiefs team because now they're able to have a little bit more balance. It's not like the Chiefs, when they wound up winning the Super Bowl, were the world's most balanced team, but... At the same time, you've got to make defenses at minimum be able to respect the run. You've got to be able to set up play action. Now they're able to do that more. I do recognize that Darrell Williams was able to do an okay job for the team, but I mean that's not the same as Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I mean he's averaging only three and a half yards per carry, so I think that that's very big. And when it comes to some of the other. Divisions with regards to close odds at this point the AFC North would just be a stay away at this point because you got the Ravens at minus 175 the Bengals at 2 to 1 I want no part of the Browns at 9 to 1 at this point especially with Baker Mayfield you tell know that he's just so badly hampered that's one uh, That's one I guess you call it longer shot that I would want no part of the Steelers at 30 to 1 I mean there's a reason why they're 30 to 1 if they want to playing this out 30 times Well, I think that you'd be able to profit off of it. Yes Would you want to be tying up money on a 30-to-1 shot like this to be able to profit a little bit if this were to happen those 30 times over? I don't think so, but when it comes to the AFC East, this is the one where it really gets intriguing because the Bills are still the betting favorite despite the fact that the Patriots have went on this big run. The Bills are at minus 140. You've got the Patriots at plus 115, and then from there, you've got the Miami Dolphins who are out of it, and the New York Jets well, if they wind up winning the division, I don't know if they mathematically can win the division at this point. I'm sure that you could wind up having things, and I guess you could have the buildings collapse on all three other teams, but that's really the only way that the Jets are going to be able to win this division, but When it comes to the Patriots, I've absolutely loved what I've seen. And I talk about it so much when it comes to college basketball. You always want to be trusting in good coaching. I mean, it's not that the Bills coaching staff is necessarily bad, but, I mean, this Bill Belichick guy, he knows what he's doing, ladies and gentlemen. I feel like I'm not breaking any news, but I absolutely love the way that this team has been able to come along. They wound up signing a lot of free agents in the offseason. It took them a little bit of time to be able to mesh. Now they are meshing. Now they are just playing exceptionally. So, I do think that the Patriots, at a little bit of a plus price, provide. A lot of value. Now we've got to find some value when it comes to college basketball betting board for this Friday coming up next. Going to give you guys some previews and what I'm going to be writing up for the New York Post with regards to college basketball on Friday. That's up next right here on the Lookout on Beason Esports Betting Network.
0: This
4: is The Look Ahead on
5: v the sports betting network. Friday's episode of the Ron Flighter Racing Pod features Mattress Mac discussing his $13,000 worth of bets in last week's Kentucky Derby futures wager. Anthony Stubble of the New York Racing Association previews Saturday's Cigar Mile at Aqueduct. And Paul Zilm talks about circus sports new derby features as he handicaps all of this weekend's races as well subscribe at iheart apple google spotify stitcher the list goes on and on wherever you get your podcasts or download it friday morning at vsin.com slash podcast and the ron Flatter racing pod is sponsored by first bet as we're back here on the look at it is myself greg peterson filling in for scott seidenberg on this lovely if you're out there on the east coast friday morning if you're out here on the west coast It is a very late Thursday night, but it is never too late to make some money when it comes to college basketball. We've got just tons and tons of games that are going to be going down. As many of you guys know, I always write one up for the New York Post every single day. And today, we wound up giving the New Yorkers a little bit of a slice of New York as we've got the Big 12 Big East Showdown. It is St. John's taking on Kansas. Kansas right now, they wind up opening up right around a 7-point favorite, and you're seeing it here in most spots. I'm seeing a a 6.5 at DraftKings, but a lot of places you're finding this line at seven with the total it is having a little bit of range right here where I'm at at circuit is 158 and a half pretty much everywhere else it is a 157 and when I take a look at the spot I want to send Kansas as an eight and a half point favorite I feel like that Dayton game was a big giant wake-up call for them what else is bigger is I was taking a listen to everything that Bill Self was saying the last few days and Jalen Wilson who you may recall he wound missing missing the first three games of the season due to a DUI sort of charge, whatever you, you're able to phrase it however you want, he was out due to a DUI, that's just where I'm gonna leave it but when it comes to Jalen Wilson he has not played a lot of minutes in the couple of games that he's returned since. He's expecting him to play a bigger role in this game. And that's going to be big because Jalen Wilson last year for Kansas was the team's top rebounder. He was able to give the team 12 points, 8 rebounds per game. And when it comes to Kansas as well, I think that they're going to be able to do a good job down low. You've got Joel Soriano, the Fordham transfer for the St. John's team. he be able to give you right around six and a half rebounds per game. But then you take a look at the flip side and what you're able to get out of Kansas. David McCormick was a preseason all-conference performer for Kansas. He has not lived up to that right now. Right around 8.5 points, he's able to give you 5.5 rebounds. He's been able to do a good job with being able to block some shots, but he just has not been the impact player that you expected, and yet Kansas has still been relatively solid without him. I mean the fact that they wind up not covering that Iona game, they were in control of it the entire way. That's not really something that you need to be concerned about. And when it comes to being able to backslash fade to these teams, sometimes I don't think that against the spread record is necessarily the best way to be able to do so because Kansas in that game, they were a 13.5 point favorite. I believe that they won the game by 13 points. Is it really a case of which, yeah, you guys are absolutely terrible. You wound up not being able to cover the 13.5 point line because you won by 13 and you're up by 22 midway through the second half. I certainly don't think so. That's not something that will ever have me downgrading a team unless if it was a case in which they were up one with three minutes ago. They wound up being fouled seventeen times, and the team just kept on giving the ball back to them, and they wound up not covering by half a point. That's a little bit of a different situation, but I think Kansas was in full control of that game. And for St. John's. I've not liked what I've seen out of the team recently. Each other their last three games, all non-covers, because they were big, giant favorites in all of them. And all of them, they got much more of a sweat than they were hoping for. I mean, this is St. Francis of Brooklyn, in which they wanted up playing a single-digit game. And now, I will say, in that game, Pasha Alexander was out. He is going to be in for this one. He wanted up returning for the game against the New Jersey Institute of Technology. You could just ask Michigan about how pesky of a team that could be. But... They went to overtime on their home floor with the New Jersey Institute of Technology. That is not something that should be happening. If you're St. John's and then the other team was fairly Dickinson who is. not been fairly priced all season long, aside from in this game, because this is pretty much the only game that they've been able to cover all year. Fairly Dickinson, a complete another Siv on defense now. What I will say for Kansas is they're going to need to take care of the ball. In each of the last three games for St. John's, at least 20 turnovers forced, and they've got Julian, Jeff, Penny, and Alexander. These guys combine for right around four steals per game. Mike Anderson, coach teams in general, they just play the 40 minutes of H.E. Double Hockey Six style approach. They're able to generate a lot of steals. They're not necessarily going to be the world's greatest three point shooting team, though. Shane Penny has been able to give you 20 plus points per game, but I think it's going to be an X factor. O'Shea O'Bajie. He has been absolutely tremendous for this Kansas team 24 points, and he's one of the better on ball defenders in all of college basketball as well. I wound up handicapping this with Kansas being an eight point favorite, so I'm going to disappoint the New Yorkers. I wound up going Kansas as my New Year Post play of the day, and I do think that with Kansas and the way that they've actually taken care of the ball there, committing right around 10 to 10.5 turnovers per game. They've been able to do a good job of being able to keep things locked in. Guys like Obagi and company in the backcourt, they've been able to take care of the ball. I do think that this is a total that's going to go under. Wind up saying this total more in the neighborhood of about a a 152.5. So I'm taking a look at an under in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at Kansas as my near Post play of the day, we've got a couple ranked teams that are going to be doing bad a little bit later in the show. I'm going to tease it for you. You're going to be getting a breakdown of that Purdue versus Iowa game. So have no Fear there. That is going to be coming up, but I'm very fascinated to see what we wind up getting in Texas as the Longhorns, Texas, they are back to being a big giant favorite as they're going to be playing against UT Rio Grande Valley. I can never pronounce the name of their mascot. I think it's Ivaquitos. I'm pretty sure that I wanted saying that incorrectly, but we gave it our best shot, and this is a line that has come down. Texas before, they were a four-touchdown favorite of 28. This is now anywhere between 26 and 27, and I want them taking the early 28 when it came to UT Rio Grand Valley. And this is a little bit closer to what I want to make in the line because with Grand Valley, I do feel like they should be a twenty-six half-point underdog. When you take a look at Grand Valley, they're going up against a Texas team that really, aside from that game, that they wanted playing against Gonzaga. They have been absolutely tremendous on defense. And you take a look at Texas as well. This bunch has been able to do an absolutely amazing job. Of just being able to dish out the ball, they've been very balanced. You've got one guy, in Timmy Allen's averaging more than 11 points per game. But Courtney Ramey, along with Andrew Jones, they both give you right around 10 and a half points per game. So they've been able to do a terrific job with that regard. And then when you just take a look at some of the other guys for Texas, like a Christian Bishop, who's able to give you eight points, four rebounds. He's like one of the lesser players for the team at this point. I mean, they're just so gosh darn deep that I think it's going to be tough. And then you take a look at UT Rio Grande Valley, and they do actually have someone that is lighting up for this team. They've been able to get right in the pocket of about 20 and a half points per game out of one of their top scorers who's trying to take over the mantle for Javon Levi and Justin Johnson. He's been able to chip in their six and a half boards. He's been able to dish out two-and-a-half assists per game, and the Weber State transfer, Ricky Nelson, is actually giving out four-and-a-half assists. He's a guy that never before this year was averaging more than four points per game, and not necessarily due to a lack of playing time either because he's actually seen quite a few minutes, but this year he's really been able to take off with his scoring right around 12.5 points per game. But when it comes to this UT Rio Grande Valley team, what they do, they put you on the free throw line. Out of 358 D1 teams, they are 354th with regards to free throws allowed. So I think that that's gonna be a big giant issue. What else does Texas team does? Well, they do a good job on the glass. UT Rio Grande Valley. When it comes to opponent's two-point shooting percentage, it is currently at 55.6%. Out of 358 D1 teams, they are 337. Now, UT Rio Grande Valley, they do have some good things, which is why I did wind up taking the 28 on the open. Now that you're at 26 after 27, it's a little bit more of a roll of the dice, but I always say that when it comes to college basketball, it's a little bit easier to slow down a fast team rather than to speed up a slow team, and I do think that that's going to be sort of the same thing that winds up happening here, and you just take a look at what Texas has been able to do on defense, especially when you're a little bit one-slash-two-man-centric. When it comes to UT Rio Grande Valley, it makes it very predictable as to what you're going to be able to do, and when it comes to the Texas team, they're right now doing a tremendous job on the glass. When it comes to what opponents are doing, they're just not allowing anything whatsoever because they are generating nearly 10 steals per game. When it comes to turnovers on a per-possession basis, they are one of the top 15 teams in all of college basketball at being able to force them as well. And UT Rio Grande Valley, not necessarily doing the best job of being able to take care of the ball. So it's a spot in which I want to take the under. And when it comes to this line, wound up making my line 26 half on UT Rio Grande Valley. So this is right now a little bit more of it. Depends upon the number of situation, But we've already seen a crash from... 28 down to either 27 or 26 in most spots. So you want to be checking in on that line movement as the night winds going along. And another game that I find to be very intriguing as you've got a Big Ten battle. Looks down at screen. Yes, this is actually a Big Ten conference game that we're going to be having in very early December. A couple of conferences have done this. The Pac-12 will up having a few of those go down on Wednesday and Thursday. But you've got Rutgers and Illinois. The Scarlet Knights hit the road, and they are anywhere between a a 7.5 to an 8-point underdog in your Tarlawns game. It is between 133.5 and 134, and I know that a lot of people are going to be pointing at, is Andre Corbello going to be playing in this game or not, and I've got him worth much less to the line than most people. I've got him out of the fold for Illinois in this game, and I still set Illinois as an 11-point favorite, and if he winds up playing... I wouldn't be willing to move it too much because you take a look at this Illinois team. They have been rock solid without Andre Corbello out there. They were able to do the job against Notre Dame. Now, Alfonso Plummer, not quite the same defender as Andre Corbello, but you can make a case that because of Andre Corbello's turnovers, Illinois wound up losing that game against Marquette as a result of it, and I think that that's something that is a little bit more glaring when it comes to this Illinois team as well. Oh, yeah, there's that guy by the name of Kofi Coburn. He's really stinking good. He's right now averaging like 25 points, 10 rebounds, and he just is one of the most immovable objects in all of college basketball. Something else that is immovable breaks. So we're going to be taking care of this on the other side, and on the other side as well, we're going to be talking a little bit of NBA, getting you set for an NBA Friday as well. That's up next right here on the Look At on VSIM. the Sports Betting Network. On the look at right here on VSIN the Sports Pack Network, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg on this wonderful, if you're out there on the East Coast Friday morning, for those of us out here on the West Coast, still a very late Thursday evening, but once we wind up hitting midnight, going to be looking at a little bit of college football, we're going to be diving into some college basketball as well, and we're going to be hitting on NBA in a second as well, I have no fear there, but just finishing up my thoughts on Rutgers versus Illinois for this For this Friday, I do think that Illinois is going to be able to control this game. You just take a look at Rutgers. They've been dealing with an injury to Geo Baker, one of their main backcourt pieces. So even if Andre Cabello does not wind up playing in this game, which right now I'm thinking that he's not, but that's one of these cases in which you want to be taking a look at injury information. And so many people ask me where I do wind up getting a lot of injury information. Vison does a relatively solid job. You always notice the bottom ticker. They actually have injury updates there, but... Where else I wind up going is there's always just roto wire, things like this. That's always a good place to go. And Pretty much every one of these teams' beat writers are on Twitter. So in this case, Andre Carbello is the guy that's her. You just wind up typing in Andre Carbello into the search tab, and you should be able to pop up with some good results. You're also probably going to be seeing some angry fans, and so you're like, why isn't he playing and everything like that? You want to try to tune out the noise, and in this case, some of the swear words that you're going to be seeing come about. But with that said, you certainly do want to be trying to utilize that. And when it comes to Rutgers, it's just a bunch of which they're not generating anything on offense. This is a team that has already lost on their home floor this year to Lafayette and got taken to overtime by Lehigh. I do love myself, the Patriot League. When you're a Big Ten team and you're getting taken to overtime and you're losing outright on your home floor to Patriot League teams that aren't named Colgate, it is not going well for you. So, I did wind up setting Illinois even with the Curbelo, we'll call it question marks, and 11-point favorite just because they did wind up getting back in the last game as well. Trent Frazier along Jacob Granderson. Granderson is a guy that's shooting over 50% from three-point range. Trent Frazier has been there, done that, very solid guard. For this Illinois team. So I take a look at the spot. Set the total at a 131. Just because Rutgers. A very slow methodical team. Illinois. I think is going to be able to beat them at their game. And that's being able to just win the battle down low. Win the battle on the glass. So I'm going to be going under. And I'm going to be going with Illinois in this spot. And when it comes to the NBA. As well as we wind up going from college basketball to the NBA. I will make this proclamation right now. We are going to be seeing a 152 to 79 game. Like we wound up seeing with Memphis versus Oklahoma City. I mean, Oklahoma City is a sad organization right now, but my goodness, that was just absolutely insane. I'm going to go out here on a limb and say that no team winds up losing by 70-plus on Friday. I don't think that I'm going to be able to get any odds, and, well, the odds would be so bad that I'd be getting. I would want absolutely no part of them, but... You do want to know when it comes to the NBA slate as well. There are quite a few games in which there currently are not any lines up. Typically, you'll find this in like a little bit of a back-to-back scenario. You'll find this as well when it comes to just injuries as well, like Miami versus Indiana, Minnesota, Brooklyn, Orlando versus Houston, along with Boston versus Utah. These are the games in which you really have limited slash no options as of right now when it comes to them. And typically, if you see something that you like, when openers wind up getting posted, you probably want to jump on it right away. And as we know, a lot of the NBA, it does come down to injury information. I was talking about this with Pam a little bit earlier. Pam Maldonado joined me in the first hour, does terrific job with Yahoo Sports. But when it comes to the NBA, I always like to look a little bit more in-game. And it's going to be interesting to see if you wind up getting any value here. As you've got the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. Now, obviously, there's going to be a guy by the name of Devin Booker that is not going to be playing in this game, but you are finding these Suns as currently a six and a half point underdog in most spots in your total on this game between 2.16 and 2.16.5. And do you really want to be fading a team that is on this sort of a streak getting six and a half points? I personally do not think so. Now you wind up falling into the trap of, okay, the team is bound to have a little bit of a clunker here and there, but when it comes down to it, when it comes to the Phoenix Suns, I think that they're going to be able to do a relatively solid job down low. Now with the Warriors, you give them all the credit in the world in the way that they've been able to perform recently because they too have been down a couple of pieces. Clay Thompson has yet to play this year. Now obviously Clay Thompson did not wind up playing last year either, but he's been able to do these guys have been able to do a great job without him. And when it comes to the Suns as well, what I think is very big is that if you got a guy in Chris Paul that always is a nice setting force with this team, averaging 10 assists per game, he's been terrific. Now, obviously, on the other end, for the Warriors, you got Mr. Durrell and Draymond Green guy that's able to give up eight assists, eight rebounds. Steph Curry leading the NBA with regards to scoring and for Steph Curry as well. I mean, his three-point shooting is just absolutely ridiculous. we are I don't know if we're ever going to see again now. Might be a little bit of an overstatement there, but a guy that attempts 13 threes a game and shoots it at a 41% clip. I think it's going to be quite a while before we wind up seeing another guy quite like this. A guy that's able to shoot 95% the free throw line. I mean, the list of accolades goes on and on, but I mean, really, you've got Curry, you've got Wiggins and Poole that have been able to chip in their 18.5 points per game as well. These guys have been solid pieces, but I do think that the Suns are going to be able to win the battle down low with DeAndre Ayton, all that he's been able to do. That is going to be very important for the Suns, and even without Booker in the fold for much of that game that the Warriors and the Suns wanted playing about a week or so ago, they still looked relatively solid in their first game without Booker full-time. They were able to take to the Pistons now. The Pistons are pretty much a textbook perfect team that you want to be trying out stuff on because, let's call it what it is, they are not having a very good run of things, but Mikhail Bridges is someone that should be highlighted a little bit more. He's always been a guy that has been solid for the Suns. Just one of those, I hate to use the phrase, glue guys, but I mean, he always just comes off as a little bit of a glue guy. He'll give you 10 to 12 points. When you need a couple rebounds, he'll contribute those rebounds. You need him to make a big pass, get a steal, I mean, he's just that guy that winds up doing that. And when it comes to the Suns as well, you can expect to see a little bit more out of Landry Shamit as well. Shamit is someone that I really do like. I feel like he's always been a guy that has been overlooked a tad. Someone that was averaging right around 7.5 points per game in that first game against the Detroit Pistons. up seeing elevated minutes. You want to come through for 14 points. So I do think that there is a little bit of upside here with the Suns. Do I think that the win streak winds up continuing. I lean towards no in this spot. Now, I could see a scenario in which the Suns wind up winning this game outright. They wind up being able to extend themselves to 20 and 3 overall in the season, but I think that that might be a little bit of a tough ask. But I mean, for the Phoenix Suns, no question, a little bit of a tough scenario in which you do wind up having Devin Booker go down, but having Landry Shamit at the wings to be able to take over a little bit more of a bigger role for him, that is something that's very big. And we saw the Suns go through some injuries last year when it came to. The playoffs as well It was a little bit more to the front court as they wind up having to mix and match a little bit. But I mean, you still have Cameron Payne as well. So I do think that even though the Booker injury does wind up hurting the Suns, I think that they should be able to cover six and a half in this spot. And hey, maybe if you wind up seeing them get down by 10 in like the first or second quarter, you're able to get a really good in-game line as well there. So that's where I'd be looking on that one. I do think that you're going to have another good one out here on the West Coast as well when it comes to Lakers versus Clippers. Right now, when it comes to the Clippers, you're finding them as a very slight favorite. You actually have a book out here in Las Vegas that made the Lakers a very slight favorite, but pretty much everywhere else, you've got the Clippers as right around a one-ish point favorite. You might find a one and a half. You might find a straight-up price, but that's what we're seeing Market Ride. Anywhere between about a 2.14 and a half and a 2.15 is where you wind up having the soda line. Until I see otherwise, I just cannot be backing the LA Lakers. Now, LeBron James has come back. He's been able to have that, I'll call it the clutch gene with him. He's been able to do a nice job there. But when it comes to the Lakers, It just feels like they're a bunch of pieces that they're trying to find themselves and they haven't been able to do so. And I feel like this is very representative of a lot of LeBron teams that we've seen. With a lot of LeBron's teams, they wind up having a very slow start. They wind up being able to pick up momentum. They... And I air quotes here, flip the switch. I hate that term, but and it is something that they do wind up doing quite a bit. I feel like that could be the case this year, even though I personally don't think that the, flip, that the switch is going to be flipped personally. I think that you've got too many senior citizens on this Lakers team. That is just me. But I do think that it is a case in which they're going to be playing better towards the end of the season than they are right now. And then you take a look at the Clippers, and they're a little bit more of a shallow team that I would like. They don't necessarily have the depth. That is SRA ideal, but I love the way that Paul George is playing right now. He's been able to pump in there 26 points per game, so he's been able to do a nice job with that regard. Zubach, I think, is going to be able to do some things down low, and the guy that always goes a little bit under the radar and a little bit just unnoticed Reggie Jackson has actually been really good ever since he got to LA he's pumping in there right around 17 and a half points per game he's able to be a nice explosive score for this team so I think that he's actually gonna have a little bit of an impact on this game and for the Lakers I just still don't understand why they haven't been utilizing Malik Monk more this year it seems like they've been giving him more and more minutes and that's a good thing because he's like the only guy that is under the age of 35 on this roster he's able to give the team some relatively solid minutes now Lakers are gonna have an advantage down low because you do have all the rebounding of the team. I'd by Anthony Davis and company, so that is obviously very solid for them. But when it comes down to it. I do think that this is a Lakers team that they just still feel like they're sort of going through the motions right now. They're trying to find themselves, and it's a bunch of which I really don't want any part of at this point. So if I'm looking anywhere, I'm going to be looking at the Clippers, especially with everything that we've been seeing with the Lakers, dealing with LeBron James now being in COVID-19 protocol and everything. So very tough situation, to say the least, for the Lakers. But coming up next, we're going to be taking a little bit more of a look at everything that we're going to be getting on this NBA Friday. And that's right here on the lookout, right here on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VEASAN Holiday Offer is here. Right now, when you sign up for our $99 mid-season football special, you'll also receive $20 credit through the VEASAN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season. Plus, 20 smack to be able to buy VEASAN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry up. This is a limited-time offer, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift. That is at VEASAN.com. Subscribe as we're back here on the look at. It. it is myself, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg. I have no fear. In the final hour of this show, we're going to be looking at the two conference games that we, or conference championship games that we've got in college football. So we're going to be diving into that. We're going to be looking at some college basketball as well, and you're going to get some college basketball. Trends as well. Look at some best bets that we've got for a Friday as well. And got to give a shout out to all the guys that work so hard behind the scenes. They make it possible for me to be able to do all that I do. Jason Kahn, who's holding it down as a producer tonight, does an absolutely tremendous job. Great get on getting Pam Maldonado on the show. So that was absolutely tremendous from him. Big thanks to him. You've got you've got Nick Wells. He does absolutely amazing work as a technical director. Taylor gets me all set up on audio. And then you've also got our man Oliver, who does a great job just chipping in wherever it's needed. All these guys do absolutely amazing work. So the reason why you're able to see everything that is going on with regards to Visa and all the great graphics and my face is because of them. And you're able to hear me on the audio side as well. So got to give them a lot of credit and got to give a lot of credit to all of you guys that have been betting unders right now in the NBA thus far. Because we have seen a little bit more of a shift to the over in recent weeks because I mean there was a point in which unders were hitting at north of 62% in the NBA. Now overall it is more like a 55-ish percent clip that we're seeing in the NBA this season with regards to the under rates. So things have been starting to iron itself out a little bit. If you're looking at just the last seven days in general, when it comes to the NBA, we have seen a little bit of an overshift out of the last 53 games that have not ended in a push. With regards to the total, we have seen 30 overs and 23 unders, so it's going to be interesting to see if books wind up adjusting to this, and it's going to be interesting to see what we wind up getting in this game, as well as you've got the Atlanta Hawks playing those to the Philadelphia 76ers. Sixers are finding themselves one and a 1.5. point Your total in most spots is right around at 213.5. You might find it on a 213 flat you might find a 214 but that is currently where things are sitting but i do take a look at the philadelphia 76ers and i think that this is going to be a little bit of a angry joel Embiid game because you take a look at his last game against boston celtics we know that he was out for quite a bit due to COVID 19 protocols and he wound up having 18 rebounds and six assists in the game but he went three of 17 from the floor Getting 13 points at 17 shots. I don't need to be a math expert to be t- to be telling you. That's not to too efficient. Now, South Curry has been able to step up a little bit for a Philadelphia 76ers team. that Let's call it what it is. They have been faced with a lot of different things. Obviously, the whole Ben Simmons saga that has been just sad, to say the least. You've had Tobias Harris be a, be a little bit up and down as well. He wound up having just eight points in the game a few nights ago against the Boston Celtics as well. Prior to that, he had really been rocking and rolling. I do think that he's going to be able to find it as well. And I think that the Atlanta Hawks, a team that has not necessarily been able to do the best job of being able to guard the perimeter, they are going to be a team that is going to be on the receiving end of a very angry 76ers team. And when it comes to Hawks, they're still dealing with Bojan Bogdanovic, who's going to be out this game. So that is a little bit of consideration. I think that he's a little bit underrated when it comes to the and Lana Hawks and all that they tried to do. And when it comes to Hawks as well, you certainly have seen the best and the worst of Trey Young this year. Young wound up getting off to a little bit of a rocky start. You take a look at him, 30 plus points in each other the team's last five games. I mean, there's not much more that can be said. He has certainly been able to refine it and. As a result, the Hawks have been able to win four of their last five games, but I do think that someone like Matisse Seibel is going to be able to match up very well on him defensively, so I think that that is something that is going to be a little bit of an issue. Now, you take a look at just Trey Young in general, and he has been a walking bucket here recently. I mean, he has been able to shoot at least 50% from three-point range, and I believe now four out of his last six games, so he has certainly been able to, get things lit up, and the teammates have been able to come along for the ride for him as well. Now, you take a look down low, and I think that's interesting that you've got the Andre Drummond versus Quinn Capello matchup as well. I think that both of these guys are going to be able to cancel themselves out a little bit, but when it comes to Hawks, I do think that you're going to need someone out there in the backcourt to be able to step up. Someone like a Kevin Herter, and I'm just not sure if you're going to be able to get that. John Collins has some good versatility. I do like his overall game, but I take a look at this spot. I think that it's going to be a little bit of a play angry 76ers team after they wound up playing a complete and utter slog a few nights ago against the Boston Celtics, and I think that they're going to be able to take this one from the Hawks, and I do think that there is going to be coming a time in which Young is going to get a little bit colder. I think that the 76ers are going to be able to figure him out, and I think that they're going to be able to do a good job of being able to tee up on him, so that is why I do like the 76ers in this spot. Something else I think is going to be really interesting can the Pelicans Kids be able to rise out of the cellar of pretty much the NBA in general? It has been a long year for them as they have been without Zion Williamson for pretty much all of it. And right now you're finding the you're right now finding the Mavericks as an eight-point favorite in some spots. I'm seeing quite a few other seven halves as well. And your turn on scheme is ranging between a 217 and a and a two eighteen. And when it comes to the Salas Mavericks team, it certainly is Luka Doncic led. I do think that you need to be getting a little bit more out of the pieces around them, but you take a look at the Pelicans, and, well, it has been just a long and tumultuous season for this team. I mean, we've been waiting the last few years for the Pelicans to be able to put all the pieces together. It just has not happened for them when you're having that your star player be Jonas Valanciunas. That's not necessarily too terrific. I mean, you wind up getting news about a day or two ago that Zion's return has been delayed even more, and it's just a case of Murphy's line. Hey, the entire city of New Orleans has to deal with a lot of injuries to their star players James Winston and Zion Williamson so I guess it's a case in which misery loves company in the city but when it comes to This bunch in general when it comes to the Pelicans, I mean, it just has been a tough situation. we got a couple guys who are able to do an okay job on the glass, and having Brandon Ingram back certainly helps as well. He's missed a couple games this season. He's been able to do a solid job recently and combined, I believe, 56 points in the team's last two contests. But you take a look at the last time these two teams wound up doing battle, they wound up allowing the Pelicans in 139 points to the Dallas Mavericks. That's just outright unacceptable now. Got a little bit of a revenge spot in this spot, I guess, for lack of a better term as well. But when it comes to what you're able to get out of the Pelicans, aside from Brandon Ingram, it's just not necessarily a whole heck of a lot right now. I mean, you're in a situation with this Pelicans team, which you're right now getting giving starts to Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple should not be starting on an NBA roster right now. I'm sorry if you wind up feeling otherwise, but that certainly is not been Great for them. I mean, you're right now giving starts to Herbert Jones as well. I've loved Herbert Jones while he was at Alabama. The ultimate Swiss Army knife when it comes to college basketball. Him getting starts as a rookie in the NBA just is not right. And then you've got a guy, Luka Jancic, on the other side who has been just absolutely amazing for this Mavericks team. He was the preseason MVP odds favorite when it came to coming into the year at most books, and he's been able to live up to that a little bit more recently. Now, the big thing for Doncic has always been turnovers. He's had at least four turnovers in each out of the last five games, and he wound up having eight turnovers in that game against the Pelicans. You can't think that he's going to be able to have eight turnovers once again in this one, and the Mavericks would be able to not just win by 30-plus, but just be able to get a win and be able to cover the Spread in general, but I do think that he's going to be able to rein it in a little bit more in the spot. You've got a pelican team that they do actually generate a couple seals if there is something that you're looking to find. That is good with them, but you just take a look at the guys that are coming off the bench for the Mavericks as well, and that's been big. Jalen Brunson along with Tim Hardaway Jr. These guys will be able to step up, do a nice job, because really after Doncic and Porzingis, it's really a little bit more of a hole. is greater than the sum of its parts approach with regards to the Mavericks, but I just think that they've got way too much firepower. I need to see a pulse of the Pelicans and or Zion Williamson to be able to trust them whatsoever. I think that it's going to be another long night for the Pelicans. I don't think that they're going to be able to get the revenge revenge that they are so badly desiring so i take a look at this spot and it's going to be another long night and this is one that's actually just coming on the board at drive kings as i am doing this it is the heat and the indiana pacers now you've got a heat team that They've been dealing with injuries to Bam and Abayo, which that's not necessarily too terrific. And you've got an Indiana Pacers team that, we'll call it what it is, they've been a little bit up and down this year. And as a result, right now you're finding the Indiana Pacers as a five-point home favorite, just wanted popping up at DraftKings. And when it comes to the Indiana Pacers, I do think that this is a bunch of which, they're one of the more steady teams. I don't look at them as necessarily being a team that can necessarily have a big boom, a team that's necessarily going to be able to bust out, but, you sort of know what you're going to be able to get out of them on a night-in and night-out basis. Now, dealing with the injuries to Justin Holiday and TJ McConnell, that's not necessarily great, but on the flip side, looks like Jimmy Butler is going to be out of this game along with Markeith Morris, along with Bam Adebayo. I mean, this is a Heat team that they're relatively gutted right now. Tyler Hero, ever since he wound up having that tremendous run in the bubble, he has been very much an up-and-down guy as well, and then, You take a look at what you're able to get down the board and I just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of some of these other pieces because someone like a Duncan Robinson, he's reliant upon just guys being able to find them open and being able to hit that shot. So I think it's going to be a tough run here for the Indiana, for the Miami Heat against the Indiana Pacers. If anything, we'll be looking at the Pacers on this five line, and we're going to be taking a look at a whole lot of things in the final hour. We're going to lead it off by taking a look at the conference championship games in college football that are going down on Friday. That's next right here on The Lookout on v the Esports Bank Network.
4: Whether you're betting totals, against the spread, props, or futures, the only place to start your NBA betting action is with the Beeson Basketball Experts. Get the current lines for every game, plus betting splits, estimated scores, and power ratings. Our NBA experts, including Jonathan Von Tobel, provide you 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 Jonathan Von Tobel, provide Jonathan Von Tobel.